0: Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. And joining me on today's show to talk about college basketball conference tournaments is betting analyst at NBC Sports, Sam Paniatovich. You can follow him on Twitter at SPShoot. Sam, great to
1: have you back on the show. Good to be back, Rob. Last time we made some money in college football. I know we got a lot of college basketball to talk about, and it was a pretty exciting day in the state of Illinois. Uh, lots going on. Ready to jam it up.
0: And we're going to
1: actually talk about
0: that on the back end of the podcast. You were down there at Rivers Casino. Today, the first day Illinois had sports betting. But first, let's talk some college hoops. And one week until brackets come out, and I'm curious – what is your mindset and strategy for this week? What are you looking for?
1: I'm looking for a team that I like in the big dance to maybe fall flat a little bit in the conference tournaments. And this happens from time to time. We put a lot of stock and maybe not we. Some people put a lot of stock in the conference tournaments. Like, say, for example, Duke loses in the second round. Oh, maybe Duke isn't as good as they appear to be. And then they go on a run in the big dance. So I don't put as much stock in into the conference tournaments. It's sort of a a roundabout answer, but I like, I have my list of teams that I like and I'm a little contrarian this year because I keep hearing about how wide open the field is. And I think we're going to have two or three blue bloods in the final four. So I'm looking for a Kansas or a Michigan state, maybe a Duke or a Michigan. I'm looking for a team like that, that has a big brand and a lot of, perceived value i'm looking for them to sub their toe in the conference tournament how about maryland what if mark turgeon's club slips up and loses to a team in the first or second round i will look then to bet on them in the big dance maybe in not only game one or game two but maybe to put a future bet down so i don't really bet a lot of conference tournaments i think the markets are, are so tight in conference tournament land But I'm looking for a team that goes in with a little momentum, maybe like a Dayton. What happens if Dayton gets bounced in their first or second game, like a Loyola Chicago or Northern Iowa in the uh, Missouri Valley? Like, it it does happen in these conference tournaments. It's a one-shot, one game, anything goes. I'm looking for a team with a lot of prestige, to maybe slip up in the conference tournament. And then I'll just go back to the well and I'll bet them in the big dance, not only straight up, but I'll look at their future number as well.
0: All right. A team that may not have the prestige, but who was there all year at the top, who did stub their toe, San Diego State loses to Utah State, four and two, their last six. Do they qualify
1: for this? Technically, they do. I like that you're using that right against me. But I, you know what? I looked at their number 20 to one at a lot of books in Vegas this morning. I think their strength of schedule was joke. So they're not really in that blue blood category that I brought up earlier. I'm I'm talking about teams from power conferences that have been battle tested. If you ask some of the metric guys, and I know Ken Palm does a great job of this as well. Their strength of schedule was God awful. I, I would make the case that they weren't really tested until they faced Utah State, and we saw what happened there. So I don't like the pedigree of their schedule. I think the Mountain West was a joke this year. So, no, they don't per se fall in, but I do think, look, if they win the Mountain West tournament, their price to win the big dance is probably 14 or 15 to 1. But because they get bounced, that number's a little bit juicier now. So if you like San Diego State, you listening or watching – Go ahead and bet them. I don't like them. I don't think they were tested enough, and I don't like their guard play all that much. So I'm going to pass on San Diego State, but because they did stub their toe against Utah State, you get a better number technically than you would have had before the tournament started. All right, so let's send it
0: in. Send it in, Jerome! Talking about the Blue Bloods, like you said. So there's a few ways that I want to frame this. I want to talk about the favorites to win their conference tournaments, the non-favorites, And the teams that are sort of on a skid, sort of three ways to frame this, and right now looking at the favorites to win their conference tournaments, Michigan State plus 300, Duke plus 200, Oregon plus 160, Kentucky plus 180, Kansas minus 115. Uh, I've got a Michigan State plus 1,300 futures bet to win it all, which I laid earlier this week. I'm curious, do any of those teams stand out more than another does?
1: Who interesting. I like your bet on Michigan State, although I wish you were talking to me a month ago when we were talking about Michigan State at twenty-two to one. I'm well aware. So, oh, you know, yeah. Champions. And it was funny because I was talking about that on NBC and I was tweeting it out and I said they're about to get hot. They're about to go on a run. And then they lost at home as a seven-point favorite to Maryland. And I got murdered on social media. This guy's a hack. He doesn't know Jack. And then look at what they've done since they lost to me. They went into Maryland and won. They're They are so good right now, and they're starting to find that secondary scoring. So I'm not looking to really fade Michigan State. Uh, There are a couple teams I think are dangerous, though, in the Big Ten, and I'll start there because that's my home conference. I think Ohio State is a very dangerous basketball team. As long as Caleb Westing can stay out of foul trouble, that's really been the problem there. I like Chris Holtman a whole lot. I think they have a great coaching staff. I like the way they stroke it from downtown. They're a very good perimeter team, and that's a team over the course of four or five days can get hot and rattle off a couple of wins here, so yeah, I like Michigan State. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten. But I look at Ohio State at twelve to one, and it's like, all right, do I like Ohio State to win the Big Ten tournament? No, not really. But mmm, at twelve to one, now I'm interested. It's a different conversation because it's not about who can win it; it's about what number can I get? And to me, Ohio State at twelve to one, that just stares me right in the face, and that's a bet that I would make uh, in the Pac-12. I can make a case for a couple teams to win this one. I like Oregon. I like them to make a run in the big dance. But as far as winning the Pac-12, look, Colorado at 5-1. to one, Stanford at 12-1. to one. I'm starting to talk myself into Arizona a little bit. So I would rather bet the field over Oregon in the Pac-12. In Oregon, you brought up the price, plus 150, plus 160. I don't love it. But I do think about Colorado five to one or Arizona plus three fifty. It's all about the price. And I'm not gonna bet one fifty plus one fifty in a conference tournament future pool when I can get a, a better number with a team that's just as good. I just think there's better value not playing the favorites. Uh SEC Kentucky usually wins that tournament. I'm not gonna fade Coach Cal this time of the year. And the other conference you asked about, I'm sorry, what was it? Uh we had uh Kansas, the big twelve. Oh Kansas, right? Yeah, I, you know it was funny. I was looking at the Westgate prices this morning, and I saw uh, my old buddy Bruce Weber and Kansas State. I think they were like infinity to one uh, because of all the all the stuff going on in the little apple there. Kansas, I, I really like Kansas a lot, and that interior one-two punch with Azubukey and Dotson—they've really started to round into form uh, in the Big Twelve. But you look at a team like West Virginia. At 8-1, just because of that press, the only problem is, Rob, when you play that press, you get tired after about 80 minutes. I don't know that they can really run the gauntlet in the Big 12 tournament. If I had to pick one chalk uh, of all those four conferences, I would pick Kansas to win. I just think they're superior to everybody. And I'm not buying Baylor. I just don't think Baylor is as real as people think. So of the four conferences that we talked about, I think Kansas is my favorite favorite to cut down the nets. Uh, But there's value, certainly, in the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the SEC. Just got to search the board, find the number you like, and go from there. All
0: right, you guys, let's listen up.
1: From our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer
0: for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited-time offer. Save a little money. And follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's Sharp 25 for 25% off any product. All right, you mentioned a lot of the teams that are actually on my team's honest skid list. Let's start with... Maryland, They're at plus 400. They've lost three of five. They did right the ship with a win versus Michigan. One of the worst three-point shooting teams in the Big Ten,
1: but they're ranked 11th in the Ken Palm rankings. What do you think about Maryland? I don't like Mark Turgeon. There's something about it. It's not like a personal thing. I just, I feel like I can't trust him when he has to win a big game. And I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. Uh, As far as making a deep run, I could see him going to the sweet 16, maybe the elite eight. I could see him making a run here in the big 10 tournament, but do I see them winning multiple games in a row? Do I see him stringing together four straight wins and going to a a final four? I just don't, I I like Cowan a lot, but I, I have some concerns, not only about their head coach, but I think as a free throw shooting team, they leave a lot to be desired. So I I'm down on Maryland. I mentioned, I like Ohio, Ohio state a whole lot. And I'll I'll tell you the one team that I think we never really give enough credit to in that conference. I'll say in the big 10, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, always around this time of the year, whether it's Bo Ryan or Greg Gard, whoever the head coach is, even go back to the pre-Bo Ryan days. They just, they never beat themselves. And I love the bet on teams that fundamentally are so sound. They make their free throws. They box out. They don't foul you. They don't give you free points. Wisconsin is never going to beat themselves. And you look at a team like Wisconsin at seven or eight to one to win the big 10 tournament. They don't even have to win the tournament for me to turn that into a profit, right? If they go to the semifinal, I can get creative and hedge this way or that way. If they go to the final, I guarantee myself some profit. So I'm looking for a team that could just potentially make the semis or the final. And I think there's a, there's a really good chance Wisconsin gets hot here, not only in the big 10 tournament, but the big dance as well, because like I said, they just don't beat themselves. Third best odds in the Big Ten, a team we are not
0: used to seeing up there. Penn State plus 550, their second 20-win season in 11 years. But here's the thing. They have lost five of their last six, including barf to Northwestern that is not the way that you want to be rolling in and for a team that we're not accustomed to seeing and see them sputtering like this I'm just projecting
1: to March Madness and I don't think I want any part of them I would agree with you there I mean when you lose to Indiana and Northwestern when we get to February and March maybe you're not as good as you were perceived to be and there's a team they started out 12 and 2 then they got to conference play. They started ten and four, um, but to lose Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, okay, I, I, the Illinois loss isn't bad. The Iowa loss, it's tough to go into Carver Hawkeye and win. But the Northwestern loss, you said it. Meow! How do you lose the Northwestern? How Northwestern's three and seventeen in the conference this year? Like I know high school teams like and hang with Northwestern this year. They just don't have any talent. And I think Chris Collins, you know, five years ago, he thought he was going to be the prince or the king or whatever in Evanston. And it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, Penn State, to me, they're one of those teams where I, I always come back to pedigree, and I, I really do. I, I just I close my eyes, and I, I try and envision Wisconsin cutting down nets, and I can see it. I try and picture Penn State or Rutgers cutting down nets. I just, I wake up from that dream and I just, I I can't envision it. Therefore, I'm not going to bet it. Hold up. I totally feel you right there. So you actually mentioned two teams
0: in the Pac-12, Arizona and Colorado. And while looking for an alternate team other than Oregon, naturally I went to them, Arizona plus 300 to win the tournament, Colorado plus 370. But neither of those teams are exactly lighting it on fire. Arizona lost Four of the last five, Colorado's lost four in a row. Arizona, Arizona 20th in Ken Palm, Colorado 32nd. If you had to choose one of those two teams, do you like one over another?
1: I think I like Colorado because they're a little bit more experienced. I mean, they have older guards. We know about Nico Mannion and all the guys at Arizona. They got a lot of young talent at Arizona, and that's fine. I don't really think that matters, though, when you look at what they need to do this year. I mean, you look at the youth UC- rates for the Arizona guys freshman 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 I mean that's sort of a scary thing when you talk about a postseason tournament I just I feel like you have a better option with Colorado Uh, they're a better defensive team I know Ken Palm says that Arizona metrically is a little bit better Uh, but Colorado I think they've got the guns to go farther uh, in the Pac-12 tournament Uh, they have the size on the inside and they have some pretty good wings with long wingspans so I think Colorado, uh, at five to one is a little bit more intriguing than Arizona only because of the experience factor. Um, but like you said, they've lost four in a row and they've lost five of their last seven. So that's not the sexiest slide, uh, to go into a tournament. But on the other side of that, look, if they didn't lose four in a row and five out of seven, we're talking about them being like plus two eighty or plus 300 to win the tournament. So it's all reflective in price. Um, not, I'm not going to lay that price on Oregon. I guess it's not laying. It's plus 150, but I'm not going to play Oregon. I'd rather take Colorado than Arizona. The conference tournament that I am most excited
0: about is the ACC because I'm not one who's looking to lay chalk with Duke. And you've got Florida State plus 220, Louisville plus 300, Virginia plus 600. And here's the thing Virginia, they've won eight in a row, including two top 10 wins against Duke and Louisville. Louisville, They've lost four of their last seven, but ninth in in ranking in terms of Ken Palm and Florida State for them winning the ACC regular season title for the first time. Their dig or their dig, they're deep and big and they swept Louisville. So what are your thoughts there? Because I see a lot of potential roulette chips
1: if we're not going to be going with Duke. You know, the first thing that I look at, though, is the number on North Carolina. And I'm like, no! I'm like swatting my hand <laughs> off the button, you know? I'm like, I can't, no, don't do it, don't be, don't do it. So I, I have to, you know, pull back the reins a bit and not bet North Carolina is such a big number. I'll tell you what, that Virginia team, they did not play well early in the season, but defensively, I mean, they're just, they're so tough to score against. And, and the problem with Virginia is, shot making I mean offensively they took a huge dip where they were last year to where they are this year you never see this in college basketball where a team goes from being a top five offense to being in the 200s like two I think they were 235 or 240 this year according to Ken Palm you don't see that how do you go from top five to 235 so that is scary enough in its own right um but that style, defensively, they can muck you up, and they can make it tough for you to make shots. I mean, when they're playing these games in the 40s and 50s, like the Pittsburgh game, they go into Pitt, they win 59-56. They play Duke, they win 52-50. They go to Miami, win 46-44. It's not that I like Virginia. I like Virginia's style because it makes you uncomfortable. And I think at that number, at 8-1, to one, look, we could look up when we get the selection Sunday and it'll probably be Duke and Michigan state and Kansas and Oregon winning all these conference tournaments. But if you're asking me to give you some objectivity about teams that I think can make runs and and get into those semifinal bursts, Virginia is a team. I would not be surprised at all given the fact that they've rounded into form and they're so tough to score against a lot of these tournament games, offense goes out the window and it's about who plays better defense. And you know, Virginia is not going to take any possessions off on defense. You
0: know, it takes a lot of onions Onions. betting the over on Virginia of which I did within the last week. And let me tell you, it is not an enjoyable
1: experience. Oh, I I, I would love to look this up right now while we, while I'm, I'm, stalling for time here. I can't imagine that they were an over team this year. We know the totals are lower uh, with those Virginia games like Gonzaga this year. Gonzaga played 31 games and they went over 25 of those 31 games. So Gonzaga totals hit at an 80% clip. That's insane. Virginia, here we go. 30 games, 13 and 17. So, while the numbers are low. I mean, you, you, Gonzaga totals are in the 140, 150 range. You see some Virginia totals, 115, 118, 121. Uh, they've only gone under 57% of the time. Now, 57% to a gambler might not sound like the greatest success rate, but if you can go 55, 56, 57%, uh, you're doing something right here. So, yeah, they're definitely an under team, uh, but I thought they'd be a lot more of a, a, an under clip. Like you look at uh, like USC, USC is 22 and 9 to the under. West Virginia, 21 and 10 to the under. Um, those are teams that I would not go over on. I think Virginia, sometimes you get in those games that are 118. It's like everything has to go right for your under, and you can still lose that under because the number is so low.
0: Last conference I want to get you out on thoughts on Auburn versus Florida. Two teams, Auburn, three and four, their last seven. Florida three out of their last, or lost three out of their last five, blew an 18-point lead to Kentucky, uh, respectively 34th and 33rd in Ken Palm.
1: But if someone's looking for a non-Kentucky bet, do you like one over another? Can I answer with uh, option C? Can I go with Florida? Am I allowed to do that on Gladly. the s I Look, Mike White, Mike White drives me nuts with this Florida team. And coming into the year, I actually looked at Florida in a couple of different markets, they were about forty or fifty to one because I just really thought that this team would take a leap this year. And when they got Blackshear, uh, the transfer from Virginia Tech, I thought that would be like the ultimate glue guy uh, to unleash this talent on this roster. And they've got some good players. Um, but they just never really struck that potential. But you look at all the games they played in this year that they were really close in when they played Utah state on a neutral lost by four, they go to UConn lose by three. They play Kentucky literally this past week. And on Saturday, they lose 71 to 70. They're up 18 points in that game. Uh, they play Tennessee on the road. They lose by five. They have been in all of these games. And I know what you're going to say. Well, they didn't win, and yes, you're right about that. But they they have been so they've been like a shot or two away in four or five games from winning those games. So I think Florida they're better than they're perceived to be, and that's why I think the number at eight or nine to one makes some sense. Uh, Kentucky two to one, obviously they're the favorite. Uh, Auburn right behind them at about three or four to one. But I think that Florida Gators. I think that they are interesting to me because of how well they played. They didn't finish, but they were in a lot of games that they should have won. And maybe that means that that's not going to happen. Maybe they're still going to be true to their form and, and lose a 20 point lead in game one. But I think that that number at eight to one is appealing on the Florida Gators. Uh, I'm curious about a scenario that I saw this past weekend, Florida versus Kentucky.
0: So line was Florida minus two and a half, which led a lot of people scratching their head. Cause they're like, Hey, Kentucky is clearly the better team. And then the line moved from two and a half to three, essentially saying, Hey, there's professional money on it. So I'm reading both sides of the things. Everyone says, all right, you follow the professional money, but on the flip side, it is like, how in the world could you not take three with Kentucky? Kentucky ends up winning in covering. And I'm curious on your thoughts on this sort of scenario, because I'm always uh, trying to educate and get better both for myself as well as for the listeners here on when you see something like that where there's the the sharp movement one way, but you have a team who's clearly better, who's the road dog in that situation. Do you have any
1: thoughts on that sort of scenario? I actually leaned to Florida a little bit in the game. I didn't make a play on it or pick it anywhere. But, yeah, you you always see when you have that public trendy dog um, and Kentucky certainly was the public trendy dog. I talked to several bookmakers who said they took a beating on that game because they were all pulling for Florida because everybody bet Kentucky. The thing is, in, in games like this, Rob, where, where you have a 90% probability rate to win with five minutes to go and you just fall apart in a college basketball game, that stuff's going to happen, man. And I think it's more important. Let me, let me answer it this way. I think it's more important to learn from your handicap because if you if you picked and handicapped Florida in that game, you're right for 95% of that game. And I think it's important to remember how you get from the ball going in the air at the beginning of the game to what happened at the end of the game. Like nine times out of ten, Florida's probably gonna cover that basketball game. So I think if you handicap the Florida side and you pick the Florida side, I think you were on the right side. So I don't think it was a bad bet on Florida. Yeah, you didn't win. You lost your 50 or or $100 bet. So be it. That's, gonna ha- That's part of gambling. You're going to lose games you should win. You're going to win games you should lose. I think when you look at the market there, and you brought up it opened at two, some places had a two and a half, and then it gets blasted to three. There's a reason when everybody's betting Kentucky that the market moved the other way. I hate to be on that public road dog, especially when we get to March Madness, and we get to the conference tournaments and the big dance, that public road dog sometimes can be a very, very shoddy situation. And I always try and avoid the public road dog or the public team that's getting all the bets. So I completely
0: agree with your mindset there. And it's also why we often say get comfortable being uncomfortable because sometimes it's not comfortable laying that two and a half with Florida when you're like, man, they're taking on Kentucky. This doesn't make sense, but here we go. Let's move this on to you were at Rivers Casino today, Illinois, first day of sports betting. And I'm I'm curious if you can give us some insight into what was that scene like?
1: It was pretty interesting, you know, being a guy who is, you know, let's be honest, I've dabbled for over a decade in the Chicago area. And this is one of those cities where you can find a neighborhood out at pretty much any corner bar or bakery or deli or whatever. So it's not like it hasn't been going on here, but to just be in a sports book in Illinois and actually see them taking dollars and printing tickets out. It's just very surreal. It's just so cool. And you know, this industry is, is on the up and up and it's going to be worth, you know, $5 billion in the next handful of years. It's just, it's so awesome to see the embracing of something that's already been going on. Now, of course, the tax rate in Illinois is not great—fifteen percent plus an additional two percent in Cook County. So that hundred dollars that Rivers would take on a hundred dollar loss for the consumer, you know, seventeen percent of that hundred goes right to the state of Illinois. Which, if you're from Illinois like I am, you know how that's the way it's always <laughs> been. Um, but it just, you know, to see Eddie Olczyk in there walk up to the window and make a hundred dollar future bet on the White Sox at sixteen to one to win the pennant, and You know, see the media people in there trying to scramble. Like, I don't know how many reporters I had scramble up to me and go, who should I talk to? What do I do? Like, they don't know anything about, like, these reporters at Channel 5 and Channel 7 love them. But sports betting is not their thing. So now everybody is rushing into this sports betting pie, and some people know it, and some people don't. But the point is, now it's legal. We've been doing it for decades. We've been doing it for such a long time, and it's finally legal. And that's really all that matters. And now you're going to see all those ad dollars come into the television stations and the radio stations. And now all these marketing companies are going to come in. So this is really the wild West. And this is day one of a very wild chapter in the state of Illinois. It's going to make the state a lot of money, uh, but a lot of companies are going to thrive as well because of the implementation of legalized sports betting inside the state. And one thing that
0: I am super excited for which is not here yet is the mobile betting side of things. I know right now you can only bet in casino, but I have to imagine over the next month or two, the mobile side will open up and that will be the floodgates because I just know the friends that I have, they're interested in mobile betting because we're not, we live in the city. We're not going to be going up to the casino all of the time. And we just want the ability to live bet, to have casual action whenever we want.
1: You keep getting punts on that answer, too, or on that question. Uh, And I've been asking that question to several different outlets in the state. Well, when will mobile betting happen? And you can ask three people at the same company, and they'll all give you a different answer. Well, we're waiting on the gaming board. Well, we got to fix the rules and regulations. Well, it's the software thing. They're all punting because none of them really know the answer here. Um, There are a lot of things that have to be ironed out. I still think by the time you get to football season, I think that would be the perfect time to launch mobile betting because let's be honest after the big tournament and after the final four, we see a big drop in handle in most markets. People don't bet major league baseball every day. Your casual better isn't firing baseball. Yeah. Maybe they come back for the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs, but really the handle takes a dip from the end of college basketball into the NFL season. So as long as Illinois is ready to go by the end of August for college and pro football, maybe even you could throw a preseason in there as well. I think that would be a conservative window. Some guys would tell you two or three months. I'm more conservative in this state because there's a lot more that has to go on behind the scenes, um, anywhere from two months to the beginning of football. I think that's a pretty fair window when you actually do have legalized mobile betting. I know Rivers will probably be first. uh, And like I said, two months is optimistic. So we're talking about middle of May. Uh, But if it gets pushed down the road to July or August, it's not the end of the world.
0: Last thing that I noticed that I saw you tweeting about was the prices of the bets that we're used to seeing minus 110, minus 18, stuff like that. However, that's not exactly what you saw at one point. Can you give us a little insight into what you were seeing?
1: Yeah, this is interesting, and uh, Gambling Twitter you know, has its pros and cons for sure, but I think Gambling Twitter got a win on this one. When you get a guy like Spanky uh, chime in at the uh, Rivers Casino group about how they're dressmakers and not bookmakers or, or whatever, see, we didn't really have all the lines up right away. They weren't flashing all the boards for the opening ceremonies. We saw a lot of the NBA tickers and a lot of the NBA future prices. But then once the media all went away, they started to scroll the college basketball board. And I had even tweeted like, oh, man, that's a lot of juice for these college basketball signs and totals. Because in Vegas, when you see minus 110 and minus 110 on a side, you're like, oh, okay, that's right. But I looked up and I saw like minus 115 and minus 115 on the Oral Robertson North Dakota State game. I'm like, that, that ain't right. And then you look at to the totals. And some of the straddles on the totals were minus 118 and minus 112. It's hard enough, Rob, to beat the books at minus 110. If I got to lay minus 118 to go under on a college basketball game, I'm not going to bet you. No, people are going to go there. They're going to drive there. and They're going to bet because they don't have any local guys or they don't have many out. So they're going to bet. But I thought it wasn't cool to have so many minus 114, minus 115, as high as minus 118 everywhere else is minus 110 like vegas it's minus 110 that's the that's the gold standard and we had a lot of high juice early in the day but apparently that tweet got a lot of traction joe Ostrowski brought it up on the score and then he had a follow up tweet and him and i used to do chicken dinner together in chicago 2016 2017 he said hey things are starting to get better now maybe they were listening and then you started to see oh minus 110 minus 110 minus 112 minus 108 so Somewhere over the course of from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., somebody somewhere pushed a button and got rid of all that extra juice. Apparently, no more 115, 118, at least at this point in time at Rivers. Thank goodness. I'm a big karma person. So
0: what you put out, you get back. And if you're putting out 117, 118, 121, anything that's not 110, then we've got some issues, and it will no doubt come back to them. Sam love chopping it up with you about
1: college basketball and all things betting. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at SPshoot. Got a lot of things coming up down the pipeline, but let's before we get too into what I'm doing, let's just worry about Michigan State and cutting down the nets and winning their first national championship since 2000. You'll cash, I'll cash, and then we'll go out and celebrate. I love that idea. I love
0: that idea. And I want to hear from you. What futures action do you have either for the big dance or these conference tournaments? You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy and make sure to use hashtag sharp 600 and be part of our community and also make sure to tag at covers. And this time of year is such a magical time. And if you dig this podcast, one thing that we would really appreciate is if you give us a rating and review, if you show us love, we will show you love with a shout out on the show. And remember if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll be disciplined with your money Management. The book of the devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump, put your rope, put like the way the sound pop it in your black chunk, and let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. You say I got more juice than two pops.